0: Okay, so i'm here with christina of course my name is samuel goulet one of the pastors at the mountain and christina is an amazing creative person she's a worshiper she is a love my city <laughs> outreach minded uh you come from a really interesting background which maybe you'll touch on maybe Perhaps. not if you want
1: maybe <laughs> but
0: what we wanted to talk about as a topic today was the culture of jesus yep and not just the general idea of t- let's talk about jesus and culture but specifically up against and in, you know, perpendicular, perhaps motion with what our current church culture is, because I have an opinion and it's that church cultures in general struggle to truly express a culture of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love church culture. I love the people. It's imperfect. It's it's just beautiful. Right. And I'm really passionate about it. I don't need it to be perfect in order to really be passionate about it. So let's say that. It's a positive tone for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But
0: we feel the conversation is important. Important to say, how can we grow our church cultures to be a culture of Jesus? Right. And not like they've been, which are institutions to me. Sure. So what do you think? First up.
1: Yeah. I think why I love this topic is because we're transitioning from copycat cultures of just doing the same thing that's been done over and over again, but really empowering people to have authorship in their community. And I know for me throughout my life, there have been specific pivotal moments where I was given the authorship pen and in being given that opportunity to author my community, like I saw so many beautiful and amazing things happen and people be impacted and myself like grow as a person. And so with this topic, you know, the culture of Jesus, we could talk about that all day, but really what does it look like to actually build the kingdom of God like in reality and not just as a theoretical thing, so yeah.
0: It's interesting because I guess it really depends what our goals are. Right. If our goal or we believe to have a culture of Jesus is to have a perfect culture, Mm -hmm. I think we might actually be missing the whole idea. Right cuz i'm thinking about what you're saying about ownership and it's like mm-hmm. if i give somebody ownership that can't do it perfectly mm-hmm. if my aim is perfection right then i've just made a mistake yeah cuz they're going to they're going to make mistakes it's going to be mm-hmm. imperfect
1: sure
0: so yeah. how do you how do you reconcile giving people opportunity and ownership with it not being great <laughs> <laughs> or mistakes and messes being made
1: yeah um I really think it comes down to like walking with people in their authorship. So it's not just throwing people into the deep end and be like I hope you swim and you don't drown or die, you know, if we're going to go extreme with that <laughs> metaphor. But, um yeah, I think it's you know, when you're equipping and partnering with people, it's not just letting them go, but really asking intentional questions. It's always important for me. Um because you're able to kind of see where their mind is at. I think like a mindset of being an author of your community is just as important as the actual authoring. So it's like being able to feel confident enough to create and to mess up, like you were saying, like we are gonna mess up in this, but is there grace? But also like, is there learning moments in the f- places of failing? We can say failure, that's okay. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, are the, is there a place where we like, have a teaching moment from that point Mm -hmm. instead of just being like, Oh, it got messed up. Okay. You never author again. Like you never actually get to (laughs) get to see your vision. But that really does happen sometimes in church. It's like you make that big mistake and let's say you're putting on an event, that event doesn't happen the way it was supposed to or intended to. And it's like, okay, like you got your one chance, you're done. But rather like, are we teaching from that moment, you know, that place of a failure and like asking the questions of how can we improve? And how can we get better, you know, for the future, so.
0: I've noticed there's a couple of different lessons to learn. One for the person who made the mistakes and mess. Sure. And then two for the surrounding circle that experienced the consequence or experienced the mess. Mm -hmm. And those two things matter. I I saw this a lot in School of Ministries where you would have a kid, young man, young woman, make a real mistake, make a mess in community, sleep with someone, do drugs, Mm -hmm lie, gossip, sure. do damaging community things, mm-hmm. right? right? And you saw this impact and I, I think early on I, I did a good job of loving and championing a person mm-hmm. an individual sure, in sin and in mistakes and them right. making messes. Mm-hmm. But one thing I think I missed a lot of was how to help the, <laughs> the, the collateral damage
1: yeah. that
0: took place. Because it was severe and it impacted morale. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially in a school of ministry, it was about 30 something students, somewhere around there. And it starts to really circulate. And I noticed there was a decay of motivation Hmm. in a lot of ways. When this injustice, I put Mm -hmm. it in air quotes, was taking place. Perceived infraction with perceived Mm non-punishment, you know, they didn't see the the, behind the scenes confrontations and stuff like that. But there was no, like, we didn't put their head on a platter and put it in community and go, we have, we have (laughs) crucified them. (laughs) What is a, what is a healthy approach to healing and repairing that collateral damage without putting the sinner's head on a platter?
1: Right. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's, Holding both in equal value, I think, is a good place to start because that person who has committed a sin that's affected other people, I think often they want to run away and shame and they don't feel like there's a place for them within that community. So, you know, they might have one person who's like, hey, you did this and it caused this destruction. (laughs) Like what's going on with you? And they may have that person who wants to have that place of mentorship in their life, reconciliation, whatever you want to call it. But often that person doesn't necessarily feel isolated from the person who's pursuing them and who's holding them accountable, but rather they feel isolated from the community that they hurt. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to say like, I hurt you. I think there are a few moments in my life where I recognize like my actions actually hurt people. And those are really hard. Even now, sometimes I cringe a little bit. I'm like, ugh, like, wow, I really really damaged some relationships, but I think being able to integrate that person back in that community is important and creating spaces for that. And I think even then too, that person will have an opportunity to actually have a moment of confession of like, hey, I messed up here. Like an actually an opportunity to ask for forgiveness and an opportunity for that community to forgive. Um, I think though time is important, too, because the community that was hurt, they're going to need time to reconcile within themselves what happened, even what the damage was done, like seeing what trauma was inflicted on them, being able to process that. So it's making sure that it's not like, okay, this person messed up, now we're going to throw them back in and you got to forgive him real quick, real, real fast, because that's what Jesus would have us do, which is sounds so crazy when we say it out loud, but that happens often. So I think it's important to make sure that both parties are healing collectively. And then when a moment comes for reconciliation for confession, for a like verbal, Hey, I messed up. And like, those that group people forgiving like when that time comes then you know we'll see kind of the way Jesus modeled for us forgiveness and all those things play out but hmm. I think it, timing is really important too so because in a
0: church culture setting we've seen a lot of different approaches or at least I have and I'm sure you have as well sure. how, how long have you did
1: you grow up in church yeah so I'm 27. Uh, I was born and raised in church my grandpa's a pastor so I've, I've been a part of a lot of lot of Christian Familiar. communities yes. Familiar. so you know I grew up in like a charismatic background but then a period of my life I went to an Episcopalian and Presbyterian <laughs> denomination so I've seen that liturgical format um, then I was part of a church that, like homeless ministries.
0: So, like, homeless people
1: Liturgical from the community. Liturgical is one of my
0: favorite <laughs> weird words.
1: Liturgical. Liturgical?
0: <laughs> Who made that? That's such a weird word. Yeah, yeah. no, for sure. So, you've got yeah. a diverse background. Right. Yeah. So, I've had a lot of experiences with when somebody, let's say a leader, like a youth pastor, sure. a worship pastor, a therapist on staff, something like that, did a boo boo. Mm hmm. You know, like watched porn, slept with somebody else's wife, or slept with somebody they were therapizing. Mm -hmm. They did things, right? Mm -hmm. And they had these inappropriate sins in their life. And I've seen a couple of different approaches. One, which was like, no one finds out, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but they're, for personal reasons, they're, you know, they're kind of sidelined. There's different language used. The other one I've seen is public confession platform. Say. (laughs) Mike, have you seen those?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Holy smokes, those are intense. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure that they're wrong in some ways mm-hmm. that when I experienced them, something really interesting happened. Mm-hmm. When I found out about leadership's moral failures, mm-hmm. it did something surprising to me, which it actually helped me. Mm-hmm. I didn't hate the person. I didn't judge the person. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even mad at them. Uh, I actually, for all of the ones I ever experienced in a public way, I actually was moved with this like, whoa, I'm not that far from, yeah. I'm not that far from uh, making a sinful mistake or decision that would be really damaging to my life or my mm-hmm. family's life. Sure. So it created a certain sense of, I feel like it created a certain sense of a fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of making mistakes right. or sinning but it, it, I think it taught me the fallibility of my sure. humanity. Like yeah. I can fail. It's very much within right. my capability. And I felt like it was a very humbling, mm-hmm. helpful thing to experience. Right Now, I don't know how it feels to those folks cause they got dragged <laughs> through. Right. It reminds me of people like in these movies in like middle, medieval, medieval times where they're like dragged on the horse through the oh city. My
1: gosh.
0: You know what I mean? Like tied, their ankle's tied. It's just like public displays of That's punishment, so yeah. you know? And oh, it's like, yeah. okay, well, I'm sure that person didn't feel great about how that happens. And that. then everyone knows them as the pornographer or adulterer or whatever it may be. But um, but what do you think the best way for a, a community to handle failure in mm-hmm. leadership so that it's a culture of Jesus? right? Stumped her
1: Yeah, I know I'm thinking I get a token <laughs> I always forget people can't see my face I So win. I'm just sitting with like yes. a pensive Imagine a
0: pondering thought <laughs> yeah. Very pensive Thoughtful
1: Yeah Not quick
0: to speak Slow to speak
1: I think It's so imperfect Because it's not Done very often well So I think I know for me I'm still in a learning place with that Of like even my own posture. So even outside of a church community, like how do I handle moral failures of people around me? And do I judge them? Do I attempt to like pursue them or, and I've done a bunch of, I've approached it a bunch of different ways. Um, I think in church leadership, it can be hard for people because often people are put on pedestals and people want to view a specific person as infallible as a person who gets it right but that obviously isn't the case and I mean as a church leader of sorts I can even see places in my own life where I've messed up but maybe it's not seen or it's not necessarily a hidden thing excuse me it's not in the hidden thing necessarily but rather like a it's not affecting so many people so it's not coming to the surface um But I think an open conversation is always really important and being able to maybe not on a public platform space where you're kind of like, all right, here's a list of what this person has done. I don't think that's very helpful. <laughs>
0: Here are my sins. Let me bear them <clears throat> No, seriously. You.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's the most helpful thing, but I'm sure that those people have a community of closer relationships that I think it is healthy for them to have that moment of confession and a safety of those people that are around them that they're confessing to will like hear and listen and ask questions. And I keep saying that, but that really is something that I've learned recently is like asking questions to understand what was going on and understand why rather than, and I think those asking those questions of why kind of cure that judgment mentality yeah. of like, okay, I'm just perceiving what I perceive and what I think you did and why you did it like, those are all assumptions. Whereas if I ask them intentional questions, I'm actually coming from a place of understanding and compassion. Yeah. So.
0: The, uh, the current schematic I see a lot, mm-hmm. which is kind of tucking away and, and we call it covering Sure. Failure, covering people in their times of Mm -hmm. sin. The language comes from like, you know, covering Noah rather Mm -hmm. than like mocking Noah in his place of, you know, drunken nakedness. Mm -hmm. And so this covering concept is really interesting Mm -hmm. because I'm not talking about, you know, you know, kind of putting people up in front of people, bearing their nakedness of sin and debauchery Mm -hmm. and saying, look bad, don't do. Right. But what I am saying is I think that we could use. Uh, a format or an approach sure. that has more candor over mm-hmm. vulnerable okay. journey.
1: Sure.
0: And uh, we tend to think of it as like, well, do we do that on a microphone, and platform? Well, not necessarily. Right. But I think that we, we, we need to model a conversation and mm-hmm. an approach that isn't just, hey, look at the miracle okay. highlight reel that God did in my life. That's amazing. I love sure. that. But yeah. also... Look at the way that the Lord is meeting me in my nitty gritty, right.
1: maybe adultery. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Maybe
0: I am caught in adultery Sure. and I got thrown before the wolves. Mm-hmm. So what does Jesus look like in that? Right. What's that conversation? What's his approach? Right. I think we failed to, to present and or show that mm-hmm. journey. Yeah, Like it's happening if you're a healthy Christian, Sure, like Jesus is meeting you in your right. sin, in your vulnerability, right. in your brokenness. Mm-hmm. But when do we see that modeled in a church service? Yeah,
1: yeah I think never.
0: That's,
1: yeah, that's a good point. I think immediately about um, the pastor of Hillsong, New York city, Carl and his moral fail- failure. And I think about, you know, it was all in the news. It came out, you know, he had an affair and all the details of it. But there has been nothing since yeah. of Carlensis is seeking, you know, counseling, he's doing, you know, which I'm sure he's taking steps to remedy and try to reconcile and repair. And so I think a lot of times people feel like that needs to be a soul, like a very like hidden journey. But yeah. I think there is value in sharing parts of it. I think it's a balance though, because to share that vulnerable journey in the moment, can be a little exposing, yeah. but I do. It think can damage it, the process, right? Too. Exactly. Yeah. And so
0: there's of, a large part yeah. of it that I feel is really appropriate to do sure. in like the hidden place with the Lord and right. the secret place. Right. I totally like healing journeys, especially in marriages and mm-hmm. families. Those aren't good to be done in a public right. spectacle. Um, so I think a part of it may look different for different situations or crises yeah, or I sin agree. places. Yeah. Like if it's a personal one or if there's a sure. family on the line or a marriage on the line, these are different kinds of expressions. Right. Because you got to think of the other spouse, whether it be a wife or a mm-hmm. husband, if like one of them's troping up their <laughs> journey, <laughs> vulnerability, <laughs> and the other one's not down not, for it, yeah. you've just damaged the situation exactly. rather than helped the situation. Right. So for sure, there's sure. privacy that's incredibly right. helpful to the healing journey um, but what about post facto yeah. I think what do we we don't see a ton of post right. real immersive dynamic conversation mm-hmm. over these things we just see the highlight Carl Lentz failed mm-hmm. right. and that's it yeah. You don't see the like even two years mm-hmm. later. Like, let's sure. make that a highlight. What's come of it? Right? Has there been a healing journey? Let's talk about. It. Yeah. Let's hear. It. And let's not sell a book. Let's not sell a DVD thing. Sure. Let's not sell the thing. Put it on a podcast free or something like that. Right. Right. Let's not make it a monetary gain because mm-hmm. leveraging failure and overcoming failure for financial gain is a weird. <laughs> Isn't that weird though? Do you find that? <laughs> I find that wanted to be one of the most I, odd things.
1: I'm if I find it weird I think it just depends on the person you can usually tell in people's motives like if they're like here's my all my failure and like it's very just like look at me to like get people to be interested whereas some people genuinely I think they want to help people and
0: you think it's weird to profit off that
1: I don't know I mean
0: because I feel like it's taught Public pastors and leaders, sure. how to monetize their failures.
1: Yeah. And
0: so they know the recipe. Mm-hmm. The recipe is I failed, but.
1: <laughs> but I'll get. A but there's a rebound in this. Deal. And then there's <laughs> even
0: like prophetic language we say sure. for every failure, God's got to. And we make it rhyme. Yeah. And and like we're so eager to have the comeback story. You sure. know, Tiger Woods got in a sure. crash. What's the comeback story? Yeah. Let's hear his book,
1: right. pod, CDs, DVDs. I don't know if it's not good to profit honestly i think it depends on the person motive of their heart but for sure i think there is so much value in sharing your journey post going through the process for me i recently uh this past year went through a really hard time in my life and the people i was in community with um they didn't really see a lot and didn't really know couldn't totally gauge where I was at and so when everything came to the surface um, a lot of like it was a very vulnerable process in community for me so I was seeking more kind of private places of healing but there were people who I were involved in my healing process and even after people who weren't like me telling parts of my story of I had to journey in this healing place and it was really hard and There were moments where, you know, I experienced really overwhelming emotions, whether that be, you know, just feeling extreme sadness or frustration or whatever that looks like for each individual. Me sharing that with people kind of created just this um, authenticity of, oh, she's actually like a real person and has not just like a look at her and all the things she does. Cause like you mentioned in the beginning, I do a lot of different things. I have a lot of different gifts and I'm a type three personality. So for people who don't Witches. know the Enneagram, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's basically the person who's like an achiever. I can fit into any group and I just strive to be the best. I'm ultra competitive and I just want to be like number one in everything. And so that can come off as very like confident. She has it all together. But I think my journey of this past year, allowing people to see the vulnerable places, really made my story more relatable and even more powerful because Mm -hmm. it showed those in my community that you can go through the hardest time of your life and still come out of it. Not a better person in the sense of like, you needed that uh, hard situation to happen, but I learned from it, I grew from it and, kind of grew more into who I actually am um, through that situation and became more um, grounded and assertive with who I actually am.
0: So, right. For whatever reason, yeah. humanity learns way more through defeat and loss sure. than through victory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This just seems to be a human tendency. Right. I think you can learn a lot through victory and through overcoming. Right. For whatever reason, we learn yeah. so much through pain. Mm-hmm. So much. So I think it's a redeeming aspect of it. Sure. And I think that in all of what we're saying, it seems to be this real context of, okay, how does Jesus want us to approach failure, sin, mistakes, Mm -hmm. pain, suffering? And I think he wants us to approach it with a redeemable, hopeful mindset. Sure. That it's not more powerful than his grace. It's not more powerful than his forgiveness. It's not more capable or more efficient than what he is doing. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we lend way too much power to sin and the plan of the enemy than we do to the redeeming nature of Jesus. Yeah. And I, and I think that's something that we can really repent and community for, shift mm-hmm. our mindsets on, and, and look at a situation, even though damaging, painful, and broken, and sure. go, okay, it's not gonna persuade my confidence in Jesus. It's not gonna move me because what i want to be moved by is i want to contextually in, i'm in this situation i want to be moved by jesus in this situation right and i don't know what it looks like in every situation they're all so unique sure you know like even partnering in your mm-hmm. situations in life up to this point that I have, to whatever degree I have, it's unique to right. you. It was different than my friend mm-hmm. Donovan's who's sitting right next to me or to et cetera, et cetera. My wife's in different. Right. Si- my wife, my, not my wife's. <laughs> oh, no. My wife's ownership. There was an, apo- <laughs> there was an ownership. An oh. apostrophe. <laughs> post- <Yeah. laughs> it was in there. I just want to be explicit oh, in what I was saying. Sure. Wife's. <laughs> <laughs> situations so there's these different approaches and and i love that about the holy spirit that he is very personal Mm -hmm. he's not generic he's not categorical Mm -hmm. or even stereotyping in his approach but he's very personal Mm -hmm. very intimate and if you're willing to hear and talk less Mm -hmm. first listen to holy spirit listen to what god's saying to you about their lives in your life and I think you can catch that very intimate approach with somebody. Right. You know, and mm-hmm. not have your preconceived notions and judgments. Have sure. you ever sat with somebody, you told them their stuff, and they had the recipe of what to tell you in response to how to fix it?
1: I told them my stuff? Yeah,
0: you told me your stuff,
1: and you oh. could just tell
0: they were ready to tell you what you needed to do, how to do it, where to go, what to do. Oh, and they were kind of sure. listening, but you could tell they just kind of were like, Coach, well, yeah, absolutely. Just, I got the 17 things you need to do. Here you go. <laughs> I got they're like, you they barely let you finish your sentence it's and like they're already they're telling you
1: what to do, what to tell you as you're talking. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. See, see that, that's to me completely <laughs> missing the Jesus approach, right? It's like Jesus is not like formulaic, mm-hmm. he's not a Maxwell book or like a, a leadership seminar. You, you know, uh,
1: I think it's just because that's it's such a messy process that no one wants to take like it's hard to take the time it's hard to sit and be like okay Jesus how do I walk through my trauma like you know or like through this painful situation (laughs) it's easier to be like okay I got a list of 10 things if I hit all these checklists then I'll be healed woohoo like good for me you know so I think you know and I think also people sometimes they want so badly to fix because that's the only way they know how to love in that situation. Mm -hmm. And there's uncomfortability in just sitting with people and allowing them to figure that out and allowing them to partner with Jesus to figure out their journey. Um, Yeah. I think that's just uncomfortable because it makes people feel helpless. It makes them feel like I'm not helping you and I'm just sitting here and You know, you're saying that you want to partner with Jesus on this and, but what can I do? And a lot of times there's really not much people can do except to sit and be with you.
0: And we take a great deal of confidence and strength on knowing what to do. Oh,
1: absolutely.
0: And I I think it's, it's embracing that peace should, Mm -hmm. the peace of God should go beyond understanding. Right. And that's a culture of Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Is having peace, even though you don't know. Right. What to do, how to resolve it, how to heal yourself, how to repair it, where to go, how to get there.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you remember in our school of ministry, you were you were in the one that I would teach yes, in. Yes, I was
1: there. Do you
0: remember how many times in my class people would be like, but can you just give me maybe like three or four <laughs> steps on, do you remember
1: this? Well, yeah, I remember it clear as day because I was one of those it? people. Do <laughs> <laughs> I was one of the people, like, you drove me crazy because I'm like, I love lists and I love, I like steps and I want to hit all the marks, you know? And so, <laughs> sorry. So when you say these statements that just make me have 20 more questions and there's no resolve, I'm like, what is going on? But yeah but that is very much how Jesus is, even in his parables. Like, yeah. People are like, what the heck are you talking about? yeah And there were just so many more, but I feel like, any, I don't know, I think any conversation or just, yeah, a conversation a relationship that leaves you with like having to use your own mind, I think that's healthy. I think that's the way Jesus intended our walk yeah. to be with him. Because it's
0: not about giving answers, right. it's about teaching people to pursue.
1: Right. Right? Like yeah.
0: the pursuit is the answer.
1: Sure. To yeah. me.
0: Right? Mm-hmm. What is it going to be? I, I bet you in a specific category, you're answer will be refined 50 times in your life right 50 Mm -hmm. like right now i have a concept of what i think it means to love Mm. like jesus Mm -hmm. i think it's pretty decent it's the best version of love concept i've had for my whole life Mm. the one i have right now sure in maybe two days it'll be different (laughs) it'll deepen it'll widen it'll be more accurate i don't think i'm erroneous In the things I think about love right now, but I think I'll, I'll grow more connected to the fuller range of what Jesus is. Perfect. Love looks like. I think I've got a glimpse into it. I think I've got Mm -hmm. partial ideas and concepts and they're cool. I like them, but man, I think it's going to be perfected and I'm happy Mm -hmm. about that. So I think I, I have. Some degree of an answer about what love looks like, mm-hmm. but I think that that answer will be clear and clear and clear. And pursuing Jesus is the is the key for mm-hmm. me to having a more perfected love for the rest of my life.
1: Right. Well, that, was, that was great. That was
0: really good, huh, Christina? <laughs> are you super happy that I said that? Yeah. Are you super happy that you are finding out right now? that when you were taking my class that I was right
1: wait that's not what I got that you're not saying that no what I got out of that is that you have room for growth (laughs) yeah good
0: one Uh, listen you said you like being number one and I think everyone on this podcast listening should know that Christina has yet to beat me in Catan
1: oh my goodness
0: which means that you are
1: not number one apparently (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> but you know who in our games is number one, and it's not me? It's our
1: it's good friend.
0: Jessica Goulet.
1: Oh, oh yeah. She has won quite a bit.
0: I think she's won the most of the games that we've played in common with, with uh, sure, her. Sure, sure. My wife. It's your wives.
1: <laughs> Pipe
0: down over there. <laughs> yeah. My favorite wife ever Oh is, my gosh. And my only one, and my only one ever for life. I um She wins. More than I want to admit. Yeah. I used to win like seventy-five percent of the Catan games I'd play. Easily. Yeah. But she figured out a way to hide in my shadow.
1: Absolutely. And sneak out
0: at the end and well, slip my throat. Yeah,
1: everyone wants to go against you because you're supposed to be the one winning.
0: Yeah, I so. am. I am. It's because God loves me more than everyone else. His perfect love for my life is so good. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say that's revelatory and amazing about the culture revelatory of Jesus? And
1: amazing. Um, I would say the culture of Jesus within community can get very messy and you can have an idea of what you want to see and what you think is the perfect culture that everyone will thrive in and feel loved and understood in. But um, one of my favorite authors, he said, if you adhere to your own vision instead of jesus himself then you've made your vision an idol
0: yeah and
1: you don't want to make your vision an idol i don't want to make my own vision an idol um i want jesus to be the center of everything and so at the end of the day if you can keep jesus at the center then you you're doing it right already (laughs) that's really all you can do and it'll be refined like you said it'll be perfected in time and evolve in time
0: yeah i never really end a podcast like this, but do you think you could pray for everyone listening for that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. Jesus, we're so thankful for you. I thank you that you are creating authors, that you are creating community that is growing and evolving and a community that's centered on you, a culture that's centered on who you are. So I just pray for everyone listening that there will just be a grace to See you better to see your what you find important, your priorities better, and to really surrender any personal vision that we have to your vision, and trusting that that is the best vision and it may be beyond our understanding, but it's what you've designed. So yeah, God, I just thank you that there is that's possible in you and that you're doing that with us every day. So yeah, in Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Love you guys. It
1: was fun.